0: The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. I just love it when uh, little babies are born in our church. Because I reckon you can't pick up a brand new little baby and not see the fingerprint of God. Is, Is it possible to pick up a little baby and not see the fingerprint of God and just see those cute little fingers and cute little toes and cute little nose and you just want to eat them all up. But uh, is, is there anybody like that? And you just go into gaga land. You just, I, I don't know how anybody can see a brand new baby and not see the fingerprint of God. I mean we're driving around now and how many of you seeing the blossoms start to come out the beautiful blossoms come and you know spring is in the air and I don't know how anybody can see the wonder of blossoms coming out and not see the fingerprint of God I love sunsets and sunrises and the and the amazing colors that just appear at a sunset or a sunrise and you just look at the gradation of color and you, I don't know how anybody can see a sunrise or a sunset and not see the fingerprint of God. I don't know how anyone can pick up a flower and not see the fingerprint of God. You know, wherever I look in life, I see the fingerprints of God. But you know what I find sad? That multitudes see the same thing that I see, but don't see the fingerprint of God. They see the amazing world in all of its splendor. And rather than seeing the fingerprint of God, what they say is, well, this happened by chance. This happened by accident. I once heard a story of, of an atheist that was walking through the woods and admiring all the amazing things and thinking to himself, isn't nature amazing? Listen, listen to, the, to the river bubbling, the, the brook bubbling and the wind whistling through the trees and the, and, and the leaves falling off the tree. And, and, and he was thinking to himself, isn't nature marvelous? All this just happened. Then all of a sudden, he heard out of the woods this loud noise. And he turns around and he sees a bear running out of the woods towards him. So he starts running for his life because this bear looked incredibly hungry to him. So he's running, 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 and all of a sudden he trips over. And as he trips over, he turns around only to see the bear about to pounce on him and devour him. And at that moment, guess what he cries out? God help me. (laughs) The atheist cries out, God help him. And it was like the whole earth stood still. All of a sudden, the wind stopped rustling in the leaves and and the brook stopped bubbling and the bear stops midair. And he hears a voice from heaven saying, What? All these years you ignore me? All these years you deny me? And at your point of need, you cry out for my help? At which point the atheist says, It seems a bit presumptuous of me at this time to ask for your help. But rather than making me a Christian at this point, I only ask of you one thing. And what is that? God says, would you make the bear a Christian? (laughs) And then he hears this voice from heaven saying, very well. And it all starts over again. You know, the, sea, the, 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 the wind starts rustling through the trees and the brook starts bubbling. And then he sees the bear, who was in midair, fall down to his knees, put his paws together and begin to pray, Lord, for what I'm about to receive, <laughs> I am truly grateful. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about the power of vision what do you see because everybody sees something but not everybody sees the same thing and i want to say to you today that what you see is what you get And i want to read to you this passage of scripture from second kings chapter six about different things that different people saw So if you have it open, let's read from verse 15. When the servant of the man of God arose and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So Elisha answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. That he may see. I want you to underline that verse in your Bible. Open your eyes, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I love this story. I think, I think this is probably one of the first sermons that I ever preached as a 19-year-old kid just starting into preaching. It just drew my attention. drew my attention because it seemed fascinating that what the young man saw and what Elisha saw were two different things altogether. So uh, let, let me give you the background to the story. background to the story is this. The king of Syria was at war with the king of Israel. And so every time the king of Syria would plan an attack, they found that the king of Israel was ready for the attack. And so the king of Syria says, there's got to be a traitor in our ranks. Who tells the king of Israel what we're doing? Who's the traitor? And then someone says, oh, king, none of us are traitors to you, but the king of Israel has a secret weapon. And what's the secret weapon? A man called Elisha. And this man gets revelation from God. He even knows what you're saying in your own bedroom. Whoa, that's pretty scary. And so the the king of Syria says, let's go get this prophet Elisha and I want you to bring him to me. And so the king of Syria sent his army to Dothan, the city where Elisha was living at. And surrounded the city to capture Elisha. And so the young servant wakes up this particular morning, goes to wash his face. And when he opens his eyes, he sees the army of Syria surrounding the city of Dothan. And he starts to shake his knees and he starts to get pretty anxious. Would anybody else get pretty anxious when you see the army of the enemies surrounding your city? So he wakes up, he wakes up Elisha and says, Elisha, we are surrounded by the army of the enemy. And Elisha says, don't worry, don't worry. Then he says something that seemed incredibly ridiculous to the young man. He says, hey, those that are with us are more than those out there. And and I can just picture the way that this works out. Because he looks out there and he goes, 100, 200, 300, 400, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 1, 2. uh, how does that work mathematically? One, two. And then, and then Elisha says something absolutely amazing. I'm going to pray that God will open your eyes. And so he prays that God would open his eyes. And when God opens his eyes, he sees the truth of what Elisha was saying. Because right around the hills of Dothan were the armies of God, the chariots of God. But they weren't just ordinary. They were full of fire. And he thought, why couldn't I see that earlier on? And that begs the question for all of us is what do you see? What is it that you see in life because there are many levels of sight and what is very clear in this scripture is that there is a sight which exists on the physical plane and there is a sight that exists on the spiritual realm and where are your eyes focused are your eyes focused purely on the physical scientific realm Or are your eyes open to see the supernatural, the spiritual realm? My prayer for every single one of you is that your eyes might be opened, that you might see the spirit realm. And I really believe the reason why I can see the fingerprint of God wherever I go, and probably every single one of you can see the fingerprint of God wherever you go, is because your eyes have been opened to the fact that there is a Creator. But we are surrounded by people that cannot see that. They will argue black and blue that all that happened by chance. They see the fingerprints of evolution, the fingerprints of chance on the beauty that you will only attest a creator made that. That's the difference. And so what do we need to do? We need to pray for the eyes of people's understanding to be opened pray for the eyes of the understanding to be opened. Let let me finish this story because I I love this story because there's a a beautiful juxtaposition that happens in this story because on on one end what happens is that that Elisha prays for his servant's eyes to be opened and then on the other hand, he prays for his enemy's eyes to be closed. And so just the the way that the story finishes is marvelous and, and I'll finish the story and then I'll get on with the rest of my sermon. Because what happens is that, is that they knock on the door and say, hey, listen, we're looking for Elisha. And Elisha says, oh, nobody's here. But listen, I know where he lives and I'll take you there. And they said, really? Yeah, come on. And then God blinded their eyes. He prayed for their eyes to be blind. They didn't realize it was Elisha. They didn't realize it was the man that they wanted. And then Elisha leads the whole army of, of Syria on a 10-kilometer walk from Dothan to Samaria, 10 kilometers. Now, they weren't blinded naturally. They were blinded spiritually. And so they didn't realize that this 10-kilometer walk was actually leading them to the citadel of the king of Israel. They had no idea that they were walking into a trap of annihilation. They had no idea of that. They were blinded to the fact they are just merrily following the man, saying, yeah, okay, we'll go find Elisha. Then, Elisha leads them into the city of Samaria, the citadel of Israel. They're in the middle of Samaria, and all of a sudden, their eyes are open, and they think, "Uh uh-oh, we're in big trouble now. And the king of Israel says, hey, we can annihilate our enemies. And Elisha says, no, let's not annihilate them, but let's feed them, give them drink, and send them back home. He says, why? When we've got our enemies here, why do that? Because God's got a high plan. And so they fed them, they gave them drink, they all went home. And the Bible says that the king of Syria no longer attacked the king of Israel. What an incredible victory that is. This incredible juxtaposition. I just love it. Lord, open his eyes. And Lord, close his eyes. And you've got those that can see and those that can't see. My prayer for you today is that you might know what God wants to do in your life. I pray today that your eyes might be open, that you might see divine possibilities, divine answers, the divine future that God has got for you. Paul said in Ephesians 1.18, I pray he wrote to the Ephesian church, and he says i pray that the eyes of your understanding might be opened might be enlightened what do you see what do you see in life what do you see around you do you see the greatness of god or do you see the greatness of the enemy do you see the greatness of he that is in you? Or do you see the greatness of he that is in the world? Because what John wrote to, to, to his people in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, he said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He could see it. He could preach it. But were the people understanding that? Because you will only know what you see when you are confronted in times of trouble. Do you see things as they are or things as they can be? Because if you see things as they are, then I want to tell you it can grip you by fear. It can grab you round the throat and cause you to lose hope. But if you see things as they can be, then that vision enables you to be empowered and strengthened to change what you've got in your present world. I really believe that one of the great things that God wants to give people is vision. What do you see? Do you see things that cause you to be afraid, or do you see the one that causes you to overcome? I want to say to you today that there is a one that will cause you to overcome. Are you seeing him in the midst of your turmoil, or are you only seeing the turmoil? We we, we we use this as a cliché. Do you see the glass half full or the glass half empty? And it becomes such a cliché concerning the mentality that some people have. I want to say to you today, do you see the problem or do you see the answer? Do you see the giant or do you see the giant slayer? Do you see the devil or do you see the deliverer? Do you see the storm on the sea or do you see the creator of the sea? Stop complaining to God. How... And, and and telling him how big is your giant and s- turn the whole thing around and start speaking to your giant and tell him how big is your God. Stop whingeing to God about how powerful is your storm and start speaking to your storm about how powerful is your God stop speaking to your all-encompassing need and start complaining stop complaining to God how all-encompassing is your need and turn it around and start saying to your need how all-encompassing is your God my friends it's time to stop moaning and complaining and whinging about what you see in the natural and start getting excited about what you see in the supernatural because in the supernatural is your provision in the supernatural is your answer in the supernatural is your breakthrough what are you looking at what are you looking at see as a church we don't believe in indoctrination as a church we don't believe that it's right for us to get people and force them into a confession. Why is that? Because it's not real. I cannot force someone to love God. I cannot force someone to receive Jesus. I can't, you know what? I'd love to do it, but I can't. And if I try to do it, they did that in the Middle Ages, you know. They'd, They'd find tribes and, and to say, okay, um, you've got a choice. You either convert or you die. How many of you know? If you've got that choice, you're going to convert. And so then by the, by the ed, end of the spear, they take them through a river and say, okay, you're all baptized now. You're all part of our religion. Well, what is that? What, what is that? As if, as if they're now going to have their hearts turned around to follow that. They'll do it in their head, but in their heart. They're exactly what they were beforehand. So John, if you don't believe in indoctrination, what do you believe in? I believe in revelation. Revelation is when people's eyes are opened. Revelation is when people's hearts are open, when they begin to see the truth of it all. How many of you had the gospel preached to you many, many times before you got saved? And it didn't make sense to you. It was like, yeah, what is all that? But then something happened one day. I don't know what it was and and how it dropped, but your heart was open and you began to see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God you began to see that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for your sins. It became revelation. And at that revelation, something melted in your heart. And there was a decision that you made that wasn't forced. It wasn't under compulsion, but it was something that drew you to God. And let me tell you that it's only through revelation that people stay in connection with God. You can't force it. You can't force it. And until people see, They can't get converted. So can I say to you that one of the greatest things that you can do for people is to pray that the eyes of their understanding can be opened? If people can't see what you see, don't condemn them about it. Don't tell them that they're idiots. Because that let me tell you, nobody has been won to Christ by someone telling them they're an idiot. I've never, ever had an argument with someone and at the end of the argument, that says, well, now now that you've proven me to be a total idiot, I will convert to Jesus Christ. Nobody's ever said that to me. Matter of fact, they just get more agitated and, and, and more convinced. They want nothing to do with someone who's argumentative. But when you pray for people and the eyes of their understanding get open, there's something just powerful. You know, and God uses all sorts of things for that to happen. You know, just... Uh, one of the amazing things is, is um, you know, Anne and I really moved about Rosemary White. We're just moved by her. Because I don't think, I've been pastoring this church now for nearly 15 years, and I don't think I can ever remember an altar call that Rosemary White didn't come forward praying for her family. Just week in and week out, she'd come to the front. Would you please pray for my family, Pastor John? Please pray for my family. Please pray for my family. Right now, on a deathbed, the family have got her Bible, and are reading verses from the Bible to Rosemary White, and it was like, God, is this is this the time for you to do something? He, she is on a deathbed, but those prayers, those prayers that she's prayed, are being answered, and and they're doing it as a favour for her. Oh, you know, our, our mother, our grandmother, loves these verses. And Anne was there the other day and said, read them to her. Read them to her. And they were, yeah, we'd love to do that. We'd love to do that. The very thing she couldn't do right now is happening. And I want to say to you that none of your prayers fall to the ground. They rise up into heaven like incense. They're incense in heaven. Right now, they're an incense in heaven. And you might get so disappointed by looking at some of your prayers that have not yet come to pass. But understand they're in the presence of God as a sweet-smelling offering in His presence impacting heaven right now. Don't lose hope that God will do something Through your prayers, begin to see them. Again, you know, this whole thing with vision and seeing, if you see your prayers as just hitting the ceiling and bouncing down again, how, how committed are you to continue praying? If if you just see them as words popping out of your mouth and just falling to the ground, well, after you've said one or two, you'll stop praying. But if you begin to see your prayers like incense rising to heaven and actually going into the throne room of God and and actually filling the throne room of God like a smoke, and it's the prayers of the saints that are rising up, then let me tell you, you're going to persist. You're going to persist because pretty soon there'll be a moment of breakthrough. There'll be a moment where God says, Wow, I will do something regarding the prayers of the saints. Why? What do you see? Can I say to you one more thing and then I'll finish? Your breakthrough is found in what you see. Would you open your Bible to Mark chapter 16? Mark chapter 16. This is probably one of the most quoted scriptures for Pentecostals, especially in the Bible. But I, but I want you to just see something from Mark 16, because I believe that your breakthrough is found in what you see. So, so here's, this is the way, that and, and so many people have tried to, to say that this does not exist in the originals, that this is not the end of Mark. I want to say to you, there is absolutely no way that Mark could finish his gospel without finishing it here. Some people reckon that it finished in verse 8. There's no way that Mark would write a gospel and finish with the words, they were afraid. What is that? Huh? As if he'd finished the good news story with they were afraid. This is what he finished it with. And they went out preaching everywhere and the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. That's how Mark finished. Hello. Yeah. Help me with that. Verse 17 says this, and these signs will follow, not might follow, but will follow those who believe. Do we have any believers here? Can I can I just also say that that word believe means that you see it in your heart in order to believe it. So you you know you don't believe things that you don't see, and this is what it says. It says then it goes on and it says. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It talks about casting out devils. It talks about facing serpents. It talks about facing sickness. Three very distinct things. Talks about speaking in tongues. But let me tell you, let me talk about facing demons, serpents, and sickness. Because every single one of us will at some stage face demons, serpents, and sickness. So, what Mark is saying is this when you face your demon, what do you see? Do you see an insurmountable obstacle? Or do you see an opportunity to demonstrate the power of God? Because the Bible says, in my name, you will cast out demons. Now, in our church, we have people from Asia. And there's a lot of superstition out there. There is a lot of superstition out there. And they're especially afraid of devils and demons. But I love what Reinhard Bonnke says. He says, I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil, he is afraid of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's got that look on his face as well. And I love that. I, I just love that that, 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 that through God, we don't have to be afraid of devils. We don't have to be afraid of demons. We don't have to cower in fear at the, at the thought that maybe a devil, they, they cower in fear when we come their way. They cower in fear when our presence, I'll never forget as a brand new pastor, a brand new pastor. I was asked to do a deliverance session. And this deliverance session was up in the hill countries of Queensland. I'm telling you, it was it was hard. By the time we got there, we got lost. We ran into a cow. It was just, oh, man, anything that could go wrong. And it was me and a friend of mine. And, and he needed my company because, you know, he was new to this. And I needed his company because I was new to this. And we finally got the address, and you would not believe what it was like. It was this house on a hill, and the wind was blowing, woo, and there was a red glow coming from the house. And so it was, by the time we got there, it was late at night, the wind was howling, it was dark, the red glow. We knock on the door, and this voice says, I know who you are, Come in. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, the setting was absolutely unbelievable. But but you know what I discovered that night? And I won't. I mean, it's a long story. I won't. I won't go through it all. I mean, I know I've got your attention now. But uh, but uh, how did it work out? It was just. It's 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 a story for another day. I'm telling you. But how it worked out was this: is that we overcame the devil. And what I realized that night was this: we were known by them. And not only were we known, but they were afraid. And there was power. I didn't get to the point where where the guy starts to attack me with a knife. I didn't get to that point. Gets a knife in his hands and starts wanting. He says, I'm going to kill you. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you will not damage this body. And it was like there was a force shield all around me. That knife came about that far from my head. And it just couldn't penetrate the force shield that was around me. And I realized as a brand new pastor The power that we have as Christians. And so often we become too afraid of the devil without understanding that they're actually afraid of us. And they do not have authority over us. But you've got to make sure that you're in tune with Jesus and covered by the blood of Jesus. What about serpents? When you face a serpent, what do you see? Oh, my my wife loves Australia. We have the three S's snakes, spiders, and sharks. And um, and I remember, never forget the time we went on our first picnic, Cox's River, rug on the ground, the picnic rug, all the nice little food. It was very romantic until a red-belly black snake came within about ten feet of our rug. Well, let me tell you, that was the end of the picnic. It was the end of the romance. She was out of there and uh, we had to be in the car and far, far away from the red belly black snake. The point that I'm making is this, is that when you see a serpent, what do you see? Do you see something that will kill you? Or do you see an opportunity to trample on it and to overcome? Now, I'm not speaking in the physical here because uh, let me just say in the physical don't beat a snake on the head with a stick. What is the matter with you? Just leave it alone. It'll go, back into the, it'll go back to where it came from. It's more afraid of you. Snakes aren't out to kill you. They're wanting to run away from you. But I, I believe that this, this scripture, yeah. <laughs> on the front row, be obedient and listen to the preacher, okay? Okay. <laughs> I can say that I've got the microphone now. When I get home, it'll be a different story. But anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> ah, glory to God. See, this is, what, this is what Mark was trying to say. Come on. When you see a snake, when you see a serpent, and, and, and really, I think he's speaking spiritually here of Satan, who's called the great serpent. Are you going to run away and, and, and feel, this is going to kill me? Run away, run away. We're all going to die. Are you going to stand up and say, no, the Bible says that he's given me all authority. I can trample on serpents. I can trample on demons and nothing shall be able to hurt me. What are you seeing? And then, then it goes on with sickness. When sickness comes your way, what do you see? When you stand in a doctor's surgery, you stand in a doctor's office and you get a prognosis. And that's exactly what prognosis is. It's trying to get you to see what science sees. And let me tell you, I respect doctors. We've got them in our church. I love doctors. And, uh, and they're the, the, the beautiful people with a lot of compassion. But what they've got is that they will give you prognosis on what science sees. But I want you to stop right now and say this. Science does not have the last word. Can we all say that together? Science does not have the last word. You need to get that into your spirit, that science does not have the last word. What Are we denying science? No, we're not. We're intelligent people. I, I believe in science. Science, All science does, it reports the facts. So these are the facts, and science will report the facts. And all science is, is being able to repeat something over and over again and get the same result. That's what science is. Good science repeats something and gets the same results. If you get the same result every time that you repeat it, that's science. And so, you know, there is no conflict between science and the Bible. All that I want to say is that science does not have the last word there's a miracle supernatural God that can intervene in the natural course of science and do a miracle he has the power to do so now i 'm not saying that every time he'll intervene because he doesn't every time I, I, I can't say to you that every time God will intervene and because because then there's no point in having the laws that he's put into place but God can intervene and God promises us That if we lay hands on the sick and see their recovery, that they will recover. And so what are you going to do? you've got a choice. Are you going to bow down at the altar of science and say, I will see what science tells me to see. I will obey what science tells me to obey. Or do we turn to God and say, God, would you help me here? I want to see something from heaven. I want to see a word from you. I want to receive something. I'm not denying science, but I'm not giving it. It's ultimate power. I want to give you ultimate power. I want you to have the final word. I want you to show me what you want me to see. Because what I see is what I get. And I tell you that some of us have to fight the natural flow of life that would try to force us to see death and destruction. Or we can commit ourselves to God and say, God, open my spiritual eyes that I can see what you want me to see. That I can see the miraculous supernatural God who can intervene in the natural course of events and bring me to a place of breakthrough. Breakthrough is found in what you see. God wants you to open your spiritual eyes to see the divine possibility, not the earthly prognosis. God wants you to open your spiritual eyes so you can see life and not death. Breakthrough and not toil. Abundance, not famine. Blessing, not the curse. Jesus, not the devil. His love, not his wrath. His acceptance, not his rejection. The covering of your sins, not the guilt of your past. The place of refuge, not the place of torment. God wants you to see something supernatural. And when you get to see it, that's when you get your breakthrough. Amelia, why don't you come? I'm just landing it down now. The wheels are down. Starting to put the brakes on. I'm coming down. 2,000 years ago people saw something on a hill called Golgotha in this town called Jerusalem. People saw something. They all saw the same thing, but everybody saw different things. Because 2,000 years ago on a hill called Golgotha, a man was crucified, suspended between heaven and earth with nails in his hands and in his feet, crown of thorns on his head, beaten and bruised and battered. And everybody saw the same thing. But everybody saw different things. Some people saw a criminal. They saw a man who was paying the price for his own sin. He was a lawbreaker. Others saw the cruelty of the Roman Empire who stamped their authority on the world through cruelty and fear. Others saw a son of a carpenter, just another man on another cross on another day dying. And then there were others that saw that this surely was the Son of God. That this surely was the Lamb of God that was sent to pay the penalty for the sins of mankind. There were others that saw that the blood that dripped from His body was the blood that was able to wash away every single sin. They saw that this man that lay suspended upon that cross between heaven and earth was, in truth, the Son of God that had come to pay the price so that mankind could be saved, so that mankind could be redeemed. And those that saw that vision were overcome with love overcome with a sense of gratitude they could do nothing else but stand there in awe and worship and say Jesus thank you that you died for me thank you that you shed your blood for me and my friends no Christian can become a Christian without seeing that vision And no atheist can hope to become a Christian without changing his vision or her vision. And today I'm asking you, what do you see? Do you see Jesus, the Son of God, that shed his blood so that you can be forgiven and restored into relationship with him? Because if that's what you see, then there is a doorway for you to go through. Into relationship with God that will go forever and ever. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials.